0: Who's going to win the gingerbread decorating contest this year? It was close last year, John. You going to get a team? Nope. <laughs> it's going to be a blast. It'll be a lot of fun. It's a great service to bring a friend. Last year was the... Um, our kickoff of doing this, remember where all the people came up to the stage, you different parts, and you were called up by the narrator and did it, no practice in advance. It was just a ton of fun. So many people told me that last year's Christmas service was the favorite service they ever attended in their entire life. Many people told me that. And so a great time to bring your friends. Somebody doesn't come to church, um, there's no sermon. Um, the sermon will be what we put on as a whole congregation, um, and it's going to be a blast. So you need to be here for that event. Um, hey, It's the first Sunday in December. Is that possible? It feels like it outside, doesn't it? I want you all to do something with me. Ready? Even if you say, I'm not going to listen to this guy tell me to do this, just trust me. Close your eyes for a minute. Let's close our eyes. Close your eyes for a minute. Now do this. Take a deep breath in. And then let it out. Take a deep breath in. let it out just feel your body relax for a minute just relax okay open your eyes here's why I wanted you to relax we're that close to completing another very interesting year If you've got a few miles on you like some of us do um I had a lot of years in our lives. The last couple have been interesting, right? Interesting. More adjustments we've had to make as individuals, as a church, as a society than we generally would make in decades. We're just constantly trying to adjust and figure things out. Um, all the stuff that's gone into our culture, politics, and sickness, and and economics, and all the different things, and and. Um, we're almost—we're that close. We're almost done with another year, and we're heading into the Christmas season, which it shouldn't be, but it can be at times stressful because we have a lot of extra things on our plate. Right? We do a lot of extra stuff. We got a lot of other things. Somebody was telling me this morning that they had had to make cookies for a situation. It was kind of like, our, sort of like, oh, like thank God I didn't have to make cookies. Actually, some relative gave me cookies, and I was able to give them away. You know? Because it's like I don't have time to make cookies. You know? Anybody kind of in that spot right now? You're like, I don't have time to make cookies. Um, so, in light of where we where we are, almost done with another interesting year, um, I think there's something we should be reminded about in the season, and it's this: that Jesus, the one that we celebrate at Christmas. I asked my granddaughter yesterday, "What's Christmas about?" And she said, "Santa Claus." And I said, "No." <laughs> I said, "Try again." And she said, "Santa Claus." And Suzanne said, whose birthday is it? And she said, Jesus. And said, right answer. Christmas is about Jesus. Um, But Jesus, the one that we celebrate at Christmas, and we hopefully celebrate Jesus all year round, right? There's a name for him that I want us to remember today. It's this. Jesus, in amongst everything else, is the Prince of Peace. Say peace with me this morning. Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace of peace. The prophet Isaiah 700 years ago um, you know 700 years rather before the first Christmas, looked prophetically by the Holy Spirit and he looked into the future and he and he saw so they could describe something about who Jesus would be and this is what he wrote Isaiah said this about Jesus, 700 years before he came For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saw into the future. And one of the main ways he described Jesus, the one that would come into the world, you think the Messiah coming, all the things you describe him as, what would be important? He looked down the road and by the Holy Spirit he said, here's one of the main things. Jesus is and will be the Prince of Peace. And I feel like that we need to be reminded about this today. That Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's not he might be, he can be, he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the source of peace in our lives. Jesus is the way to peace in our lives and in this world. So today, in light of the Advent um, that we're doing, the, the, the Advent calendar that we're doing, it reminds us that, that, that we're going to look at it in a minute, that Advent, rather, reminds us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about peace. So here's my hope, and we'll talk the Advent wreath in a second. Here's my hope, that you will leave here today more peaceful than when you came in. We've been doing something to remind us about some of these qualities of, of Christ at Easter, or at Easter, at Christmas, and the Advent, the Advent wreath helps us do this. So somebody told me already, they said, next year I'm buying you real candles, because we switched from real candles to, are these fake candles? But so they still do it. So what are the, remember the candles remind us of a better purple? The three purple ones remind us of the royalty of Jesus? And each one has a different character quality of Christ. The pink one is the last one before Jesus comes. It reminds us of joy. And the white one in the center we light on Christmas that says Jesus has come, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God has come. But we're taking them, the order is not all that important. Um, and this year we actually switched the order up a little bit because today we wanted to, the week two we wanted to focus on peace in particular. So week one, remember what we talked about last week? Love. Love. So week one this year, love. And I'm hoping this last week you were able to think about how does the love of Christ affect me? How can I show the love of Christ in the world? So we talked about. This week, we're going to talk about peace. There we go. So love and peace. What's peace all about? Well, I know this. Peace is not about the absence of difficulty or problems or conflict in our lives. But peace is a condition of our souls that is a calmness in the midst of whatever is happening. And scripture teaches that the, that this kind of peace, real peace, isn't something that we can achieve on our own, just by trying really hard, I'm going to work up peace in my life, or I'm going to meditate peace into my life. Rather, the scriptures teach us, and we'll look at it in a second, that peace is an outcome of the reality of the Holy Spirit's presence in a Christian's life. That that's where peace comes from. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatia was describing a, a, life filled, um, a life lived in step with the Holy Spirit versus a life lived in step just with doing your own thing, your own way. And he says that the flesh or sin, he's saying, what's it look like to have a spirit-filled life versus a life lived just for sin? And in his explanation, he describes the character qualities that become evident in a Christian's lives as one lives in step with the Holy Spirit for a long period of time and keeps walking with the Holy Spirit. And he describes these, he calls them what? There's a list of nine. Remember what what they're called in Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit. And this is the list that he gives. He says, this is the fruit of what what will grow in you if you walk in step with the Holy Spirit as you're a child of God. He says this, he says, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he includes that list. Number three, love, joy, peace is in the list. Peace, he says, is an outcome of living a life in step with the Holy Spirit. And of that whole list of things, I think right now the end of the year, which is the end of three interesting years, I think we really need to say, Jesus, you're the Prince of Peace. I need your peace in my life. You need peace in your life when you're selling one house and buying another one right now, guys? You need some peace in your life right now. There's some... And, and so I think we... In this list, peace, this rises to the top for us today. So let's, let's just consider peace. There's three things I want to explain about peace today that I think if we get a hold of this, it's going to make more sense. We can say, how can I live into peace Better, and how can peace become more of a part of my life? There's these, these three things I want to talk about to you today. Um, I would say this, they build on each other. Leading, I think if, if we see the progression I'm going to talk about today, you'll see the kind of peace-filled lives that I believe God desires for all of us to have. So here are the three things that I want to talk about. I'll tell you what they are, then we'll unpack them. That peace starts with peace with God. It starts with peace with God. It moves to the peace of God. We have peace with God, and then we get the peace of God inside of us. And then it results in peace between God's people. So it starts with peace with God. It moves to the peace of God being part of our lives. And it results in peace between God's people. Let me explain. Friends, the only place real peace can begin is by finding peace within yourself. Now, it comes from God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But it, it, it starts with you. It's an individual thing. See, the overarching story of the Bible is that our loving Heavenly Father created this world and all that's within it, including mankind, to be a place of peace and loving unity between God and man and man and man. Think of the beginning, in the beginning. Genesis 1 and 2 the very beginning of the Bible, is the story of God's original creation. And in there we have, before the fall, we'll get to that in a moment, before the fall, what do we have? We have God and Adam and Eve, and God and Adam walking in the garden, they're naming animals. God's saying, you're not complete on your own, I need to make you a helper, help make suitable part of you, and he, God creates a woman. And he, and he looks at them, they're loving in loving union. they're talking, they're fellowshipping, they're enjoying each other. God created this beautiful garden, this whole world, and he, put Adam and Eve in it, and he, and he created all of it for mankind. And they're living in peace. And then Adam and Eve are there, and they're living in peace with each other, loving unity together, all before Genesis 3. But in Genesis 3, what do we find out in the Bible, in the story of the unfolding of Scripture, that it says Satan enters a serpent. And he deceives Adam and Eve, and, and, and Eve chooses to, to eat the fruit, and then Adam chooses to. And what they really do is they chose to reject God's goodness and God's ways. God said, do anything but that. They chose to say, well, God, we're going to do exactly what you told us not to do. And they chose to inject, reject God's goodness. He was protecting them, keeping them from the knowledge of, of good and evil. He was protecting them, but they chose to go, go to listen to the enemy instead. They chose to believe Satan's lies. And follow his ways. And the result of that was separation and death. But a result of that was the loss of peace. What's the first thing we see Adam doing towards this wife that he adored, this gift from God, when God says, Adam, what have you done? And what did he say? It's the wife you gave me, Lord. She did it. Blame her. First thing he does, they have children. The very first children, what happens? Cain kills Abel. He's jealous of him. And he goes in the field and it says he kills his brother. Immediately, because they rejected God's ways and followed, followed um, the, the, the enemy's ways, um, not only was this relationship severed, this beautiful, beautiful relationship, but, but peace was broken. Now there was conflict and anger and separation and no peace in the midst of it. But are always loving God had a plan to bring restoration. He himself, it's the, it's the Christmas story, he himself came into our world to reveal the truth about who God really is by being God in flesh. And to himself pay the penalty that resulted because of the choice to sin. He died in human, human, humanity's place. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, Son of God, coming to take punishment that you and I deserve because of our choices to sin. Jesus died in our place. That's what he did. Now, in addition to him revealing the truth about who God is, and that was incredibly important, we only can understand God by looking at Jesus. That's why the way we understand Scripture is we always had to look through the lens of Jesus because Jesus has come, he is God, and he came to reveal who God is. In addition to, to doing that when he came, and in addition to hanging on a cross and giving his life as a spotless lamb in our place, he also came to restore peace between himself and mankind, to restore broken relationships. See, when you come into this world, you, you, when you were born, you were born under a, the curse of sin. You know, it's all of humanity. Humanity. And that curse of sin causes separation between man and God. When when Adam and Eve sinned, what did Adam and Eve do? They fled God's presence. It didn't cause God to run away from Adam and Eve. It caused Adam and Eve to run away from God. You've got to remember that. Man has been running from God ever since. There's separation between God and man. But when you come to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation, that relationship where man is running and man is distant gets restored between man and God. That's what the Apostle Paul is explaining in the the letter he wrote to the Romans. In chapters 3 and 4 to Romans, he's explaining how one is restored in their relationship to God through faith in Jesus. But then in chapter 5, he says this. He's saying, okay, here's how you get right with God. And then in chapter 5, he says this. Therefore... Having been justified by faith, and he's saying you're saved through faith, you come to Jesus Christ and you're saved, your sins are forgiven, you're justified, just as if you had never sinned. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith in Jesus, we have what? Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've been justified, our sins are forgiven, just as if we've never sinned, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We come to Jesus for forgiveness of our sins and the restoration of our broken relationship. What we find is we find we now have peace with God. We find peace because our sins are forgiven. We find peace because we don't need to worry about judgment anymore. We become children of God with the promise of a loving union with God. From the day we come to know Christ as Savior all the way through all of eternity, it will never stop. We find peace with God. Our relationship is restored through salvation. Now, friends, that's pretty good news. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Peace with God. Now, this is the, the only real starting place for peace. There was a, a bumper sticker that used to be out. Some of you will remember this. It used to say this, No, N-O, Jesus. N-O, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. But, know Jesus, K-N-O-W, know Jesus, and you can know peace. We can have peace with God. Jesus is the place of peace in our lives. So friends, that's the starting place. That's the starting place. We can have, through salvation, peace with God. But you want to know something? God doesn't want your peace to stop there. Just saying, oh, I have peace with God. He wants it to expand. He wants to expand, see peace expand in our lives. And that's what Paul was thinking of when he was including peace in the list of what he called the fruit of the Spirit. That the peace we find when our sins are forgiven would grow. What does fruit do? It grows. An apple starts like this and it gets bigger. It spreads, it grows. That's what he's talking about. It would be like fruit. It would grow into all areas of our life. Because we are in right relationship with God, we can invite him into all areas of our lives that result in peace. That it's an, an, an internal peace that, that grows in our hearts and our lives. And friends, this is what the Apostle Paul is explaining to the church at Philippi um, when he's writing to them about peace. Look at, flip in your Bibles with me or... Look in your, in your Bible, your, your phone, to Philippians chapter 4. Look at Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have this section highlighted in your Bible, then get out your pen. Look what he says here in Philippians 4, talking about peace. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. It says, rejoice, and I'll explain this progressive thought here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, not the peace with God, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's break these verses down here. What's going on? Verses 4 and 5. Basically, Paul's celebrating a right relationship with God, peace with God. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord. Because you have peace. Rejoice. Again, I'll say rejoice. The Lord is near. He's celebrating this right relationship with God. That's peace with God. Verse 6, he says, because of the right relationship, we have peace with God. Now we can bring our needs to him. Because you you can rejoice in this, because God is near. You're you're, you're at peace with him. You can rejoice in that, and you can bring your burdens and your needs to him. And he says, what's verse 7 say then? He says, then... If you bring your burdens and your needs to Him, God's peace will hold you. God's peace will sustain you. And not only that, even in the most trying of times, God's peace can be very real. He says, It's the peace of God. And what's He say about it? It surpasses all comprehension. You know what that means? It means it's peace that's so real that it doesn't make sense to anybody else looking on That's going through you're going through a difficult time and they go, how can you possibly at, be at peace in the midst of what you're going through? Because it's not from you. It's the peace of God that is given to you. You see, when someone without Jesus goes through a situation that's very difficult, it can cause them to be frantic and overwhelmed. And that's natural. But there's something supernatural that's offered to the children of God. That when we walk through challenges, and it says that we we know we're in right relationship, we're rejoicing in Him always, the Lord is near to us, we talked about during communion, therefore I don't have to be anxious about anything, but I can take it to the Lord in prayer, and with thanksgiving make my request be known to Him. And if I do that, then the peace of God, which is so far beyond comprehension, for the child of God, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. That a Christian can have peace because your good God has you in the palm of his hand. He gives you his peace in the middle of it. That's what it is. It's not your peace. He gives you his peace because guess what? He is the Prince of Peace. So when you take communion and you're saying, you're with me, you're in me, this is my body. You're saying, all of Jesus I invite into me. Jesus is peace. You're inviting peace into your life. That's the peace of God. That's what we get when we start with the peace with God. We get peace with God. It results in the peace of God. It's a calming presence of God himself being with you even in the most difficult of circumstances. The peace of God. Now that's also good news, isn't it? So peace with God, great news. The peace of God, great news. Yet, friends, I believe God wants his peace to expand even further. He wants it to not only because it's so real in you, he wants it to affect you as you interact and have relationships with everybody else. that so You have interaction and relationships with you. Romans chapter 12, verse 8 says this. If possible, it's written to, ch- to Christians. If possible, so far as it depends on you, and that's a very important phrase, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. The ultimate outworking of the fruit of peace is when you and I live in loving unity with one another, which is peace. Think about something. Just be honest. Think of anything, any any, uh, historical event you can think of, any attempt you can think of. The reality is this. Mankind has never been able to establish peace anywhere for any length of time. Just go to a school board meeting. Right? Today. Who are the Packers playing today? Who? Don't say the next thing that you're thinking of. There's no peace if you sit down and watch a Packer game with a Bear fan. Right? Right? There's no peace. There's nowhere that peace exists. But we, friends, listen. That's a joke, but let's be honest here. Let's be serious. We, the church, the people of God, I believe, have an opportunity. Scripture is teaching it. We have an opportunity to do what humanity, through all their efforts, cannot, has not, will not ever be able to do. We can live at peace with one another because we have the peace of God within us. We can then extend it to the people around us because we have the peace of God. We can, we can share it. We can, we can, it can be expanded in our relationships with other people. I believe as people walk into Portview Church, because I hear the comments all the time when they're a visitor, I walk in and go, man, this is just a great group of people. I hear they say it's, called, it's happy, they're friendly, all these different things, I hear it all the time. One of the things I think they're saying is, they may not put their finger on it, it's peaceful. The world's raging. It's peaceful when we come in here. See, as people who have found peace with God, we can invite the Holy Spirit to cause the fruit of peace to grow in us so they can be expressed through us. Our relationships can be marked by peace and not conflict. Why? Because Jesus is in the process of transforming us. And Jesus made a promise. He said, the good work I began in you, I will keep doing it until I return. He's doing that work. One of the things he's doing is he's causing his fruit to grow. And one of his great fruit is the fruit of peace. Think of how wonderful your home life could be if it was a place of peace and not conflict. Some of you have peace, you have conflict in your home life. Think what God is offering to us. Paul said this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You can't change what somebody else does. But as far as it depends on you, as a person that has peace with God, you're living in relationship with him, inviting the spirit to go so the peace of God is now filling your heart. And God wants to extend that to peace with other people. That as far as it depends on you, you can be a peacemaker. As far as it depends on you. Somebody else doesn't have to reciprocate, but you can be a peacemaker. The point is this, you and I can do our parts to expand peace. And I hesitated to ask to add this one last point, but I'm going to add it, okay? Because I've been around enough that I have the right to do that, right? It's not bad. See, Suzanne's normally right here, and she saying, if you have to say that, don't say it but it's not bad. I want to give you one piece of advice about how we can be peacemakers and expand peace, especially in light of our current culture. It's this. Understand that proving that you are right usually isn't worth the price you pay. Understand that proving, the need to prove that you are right isn't usually worth the price you pay. Something has taken me decades to learn. Most conflict comes when we are trying to be right. We are trying to win an argument. We're trying to prove our point. Understand that you prove your point, you usually don't use to change the other person's mind anyways. You're better off just living in peace and letting them see that and go, you know what? This guy's got something I want that gal's got something I want. They're living in the midst of the same chaos as me and they're walking in peace. That's much more attractive, much more much more transformative than just trying to out-argue somebody else. Friends, is it really worth winning the battle and losing the war? No. If you win a conflict with a friend, a coworker, a family member and prove that you are right but destroy the relationship and destroy the peace in the process, it's usually not really worth it. I'm not saying we don't stand for what we believe. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about having to prove your point. You can say your point and if somebody disagrees, okay. You don't have to fight with them about it. It's not usually worth it. I want the worship team to come this morning. The world is filled with conflict. This is an interesting year. One year is interesting. It's been a lot of conflict. Some of you work in environments that are that are in a lot of conflict. Some of you are maybe living in a situation even in your home life that there's conflict. And I would say this, that's just the reality of living in a fallen world. But I believe our homes and our businesses and our relationships and our church can be filled with peace. And I'd say the older I get, the more I value peace. So what it says, what we read was, we can do what we can do to extend the peace of God, wherever we are. It starts by, you got to be a person who has peace with God, meaning come into right relationship with Jesus. Give your heart to Christ if you have not Then walk in step with the Spirit so the peace of God grows in you, so that you can extend it to others. I want us to conclude a little different way this morning. We're going to conclude by, by praying out loud together an ancient a prayer that invites the Lord, so it is doing the Lord to shape us into peacemakers. It's a prayer some of you are maybe familiar with, especially if you have a Roman Catholic background. It's the prayer of St. Francis. It's going to be up on the screens. I'm going to invite you to pray it, and I want you to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll just follow my lead. We're going to pray it out loud, and we're going to pray it slowly, because I want you to actually think about what you're praying. That I want you to do this as a prayer. To the Lord. That you are actually inviting the Lord to cause this to grow inside of you. So I invite you to pray out loud with me. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, Amen. Friends, I believe this. If we prayed that every day, just the content of that would be this exactly, but prayed that idea every day, our relationship would be filled with peace. Our hearts would be filled with peace and it would transfer into our relationships. I think especially the second half of this prayer, by the way, this prayer hangs on my office wall to remind me and I pray it. The second part that, that talks about Understanding that if I don't put myself first, it works out. It says, I pray grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. And what happens so often is we're more interested in making sure I get loved, I'm understood, and I'm being consoled, instead of saying, But you know what? Peace comes when I understand to be like Jesus who considered other people more important than himself. And here's what I know. If we do that, we act like Jesus, we're the beneficiary as well as other people. Our culture tells you just the opposite. Just make yourself number one and you'll be happy. And then what? Look around. Is it working? Right? It's not working. But if we live the Jesus way, what St. Francis was trying to get us to understand here is peace can come if we if we allow the Lord to transform us in these kinds of people. So today as we close, some of you may just want to spend some time inviting the Holy Spirit to just shape this part of your life. Say, Lord, you know what? I've not been real peaceful lately. And I need that. I need peace to grow in me. Some of you maybe need to, to, uh, as husbands and wives or family members, pray together and just declare over your relationship and over your family, we're going to be a place of peace. There's been a lot of conflict, but we're going to be a place of peace. You're going say, God, we invite you into this. As far as it depends on me, I'm going to be the peacemaker in a situation. So we're going to close by singing a song that's basically putting this person, some of the thoughts of this person, Francis, um, to words. And we're going to, we're going to sing it as a prayer. Actually, to make it a prayer, if you want to come forward for a prayer, also during that time of the song singing, feel free to come forward. Myself, our prayer team will be here. We'll pray with you. So let's sing this song together. Up the Lord speaking to your heart on, spend some time in prayer and worship this morning before you dismissed. I really do also challenge you that if if your life is more of a place of conflict than peace right now, the peace of peace with God. Free, free to come and pray with our prayer team when you're dismissed, otherwise when you do feel dismissed by the Lord go out in the cafe and drink a cup of coffee with some awesome people Be close with this great blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen bless you friends go